Praise God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father God, we must look to You at all times and be sustained by You, honor You, and just stay in Your glory. Help us to, Father, have ears to hear what Your Spirit's saying and to discern the times and know what to do. This is Your will, O God, and so speak to us, we pray, in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. This morning, I want to speak to you on the sermon called Risk is Right, and in this, remembering Ronnie Smith. Ronnie Smith was killed in the streets of Benghazi on Thursday, December 5th. He was 33 years old. This is a very um, personal message to us as a church because uh, he is the son of one of our founding families. Ron and Rosie Smith. Well, I've known Ron and Rosie Smith for over 30 years. I met them at Bethel Christian Church when they got saved and we were just I was just beginning to attend there. My wife had attended there all her life and we grew together in that church and did wonderful things together and years separated us and then we came together again 22 years ago to start this church. And so Ron and Rosie would meet with us and we would pray and we would seek God's guidance and leading. Ronnie was, uh, I remember when he was born, he was just a young man. And so when we started this church, uh, he had, uh, was an adolescent, 12, 13 years old. We didn't have a youth group at that time. When you, when you have six folks, uh, you know, you really don't have a big youth department. And so Ronnie was over at Heritage Assembly of God and, and uh, Pastor Angelo Fleece was the youth pastor there and really sewed into this young man's life. Of course, there are many here that know him and know the Smiths quite well. So we're praying for them, we care for them, and uh, we pray God's blessings on them. I just want to share maybe a story that you're not aware of through the news and understanding why Ronnie was where he was and what does that mean to us as a people. And so if you'll walk with me through this story, it will have meaning to us. And uh, as I spoke to you about Ron Smith, he was one of the founding elders. He then came on staff with us at Christ Community Church and served here as our administrator for a number of years. Of course, Ron and Rose moved down to Florida, and their children are in different places in the United States. And uh, Ronnie uh, was married 10 years to Anita and have a son, Hosea. Now, one of the important things, if any of the news reports you heard about Ronnie, is that he had a, a pretty bright wit, quite a sense of humor. If you're the son of Ron and Rosie Smith, you have to have one to survive. So he picked it up pretty quick. And I uh, even read one of the tweets this week where it said one of his students uh, in Libya asked him, why did you name your son Hosea? And he said, uh, uh, that's because when he gets to be a little bit older and asks for the keys of the cars, I'll let him know, no way, Jose. So (laughs) that's just the way Ronnie is. Ronnie and his family moved to Benghazi to teach high school chemistry 
and to be a blessing to the Libyan people. Ronnie loved Libya and was dedicated to his students to help them aspire to their dreams. That's the press release. And of course, it's very true. But the backstory is deeper and more important than that. And I want to share that with you. And that is this. The key to understanding Ronnie's story is that Ronnie believed three things. He believed in teaching, he believed in Libya, and he believed in Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus Christ was his foundation. Ronnie said that the treasure of Christ is above all things. And so when you consider these three things of what motivated Ronnie, it was based on his teaching in Libya and Jesus Christ. So what I'd like you to understand about him is this. He had a gifting, and he had a calling, and he had a purpose. His devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ gave him a deep sense of calling. And in his prayer life and in his calling, he felt that calling to Libya, to the people of Libya. And his gifting was education. And so what I want us to understand through Ronnie's story is that we all have a gifting, we all have a calling, and we all have a purpose. Our purpose is found in Jesus Christ, but it manifests through us in different giftings. And Ronnie showed us you don't have to be an evangelist or a preacher or a pastor. You have to move in your gifting through what God had given you. Ronnie was a very astute student and a very smart young man. And so he used his gifting in education as a, an ability to bring the kingdom of God to bear. Now some of you, that's in the marketplace. Some of it, it's, it's with your business. You're astute business people. You, you know how to minister in business. Some of you know how to minister to children and in a home and to parent. Some of you know how to have a gifting, uh, I don't know, with Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. It doesn't have to have a Christian title over it, but you redeem whatever your ministry is. We are all called to serve God. And so he, in his purpose, always served Christ. It was through the gifting of education that he went to his calling, and that was Libya. And so we too have gifting, calling, and Libya. Who is the people, or who are, if I could say, the people of your calling? Right now, as we heard the prophetic, we heard that, that you know, whatever that calling is, God's called you to. Some of you, in that season, as we heard the word come forth, may be towards your children. You're raising children. And so in your gifting of mothering or fathering, your call to your children and your purpose is to raise them in Christ. And maybe now that season has changed for some of you and your calling is now to another people group. Maybe some of you, it's to your children, but it's also to that group of engineers at Chrysler or Ford. And that is your calling and your gifting as an engineer or an artist or a garbage collector is to the guys on your crew. And, and so you live and do this with all your heart and all your might. And this will help you understand Ronnie's motivation. That's why Ronnie said, because he was called to the people of Libya with bringing education to them, he in his own tweet said, I'm Libya's best friend. Now what does that mean to a man 
named Ronnie Smith. It means that I'm your best friend because I'm bringing Christ to you through my passion for education. And so that's what gives depth to this story. He's a missionary who was an educator for Jesus Christ so that he could teach chemistry to these kids. And he cared for them. Now, Ronnie went to the church called Austin Stone, and it's a very, very large church, a wonderful church. May I say they, they do the kingdom proud. They have paid uh, for bringing all of the Smith family from all over the United States, paid to bring them to Austin today as they're having a memorial service in Texas for them. They are also paying for all their flights to come here Friday to Michigan for a service as well. Now, his church put this statement out, Ronnie and his family moved to Benghazi to teach high school chemistry and to be a blessing to the Libyan people. Ronnie's greatest desire was for peace and prosperity in Libya and for the people of Libya to have the joy of knowing God through Christ. And so Ronnie's vehicle for making this possible was to teach chemistry to students, the next generation, so that as he was teaching chemistry to the next generation, he could impart unto them the love of Jesus Christ. He knew that education would help change that nation and the love of Jesus would motivate it. And I believe that this is no mistake, and I believe that God is using this, and we are seeing it on international levels, and I believe that there's been a seed planted now through the blood of a martyr in that nation that will change the course of a nation. Some of Ronnie's statements that he said is this, If there's any single person in the entire universe that you can take a chance on, it's God. He was willing to do that. He also said, if I were to be killed, I will die for education. Now, now some people would say, why didn't he say, I will die for Jesus Christ? Because again, if you understand his purpose, his calling, and his gifting, it makes perfect sense that he would die for education. Because he knew education was the vehicle, the only vehicle, that he could get into Benghazi and into Libya for the people he was called to by God. And so it makes perfect sense that if he would give his life, it would be for education or the route in which God brought the gospel to those young people and it makes perfect sense he also said no matter what happens i'm good that gives me peace and i'm okay with that and that was true now i'd like to share you more share with you more of this backstory so that you can understand what's happening here To Ronnie, John Piper was his hero. God had used Piper to introduce Ronnie to the writings of Jonathan Edwards and to teach him the meaning and the joy of the supremacy of Christ in all things. John Piper is a tremendous pastor, a tremendous teacher, one of the eminent theologians of our time. 
He's the pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. If you haven't read any of his books, I'd encourage you to do that. He's a Reformed pastor and, of course, loving Jonathan Edwards, he turned Ronnie on to Jonathan Edwards, who, of course, was a great intellect and a revivalist and a great preacher in American history. Ronnie said if he could spend an evening with anyone who lived in the last thousand years, he would choose Jonathan Edwards because Edwards understood that God gave us minds for the sole purpose of glorifying him. As a a man of supreme intellect and prestige, he was refreshingly humble and holy. And of course that would uh, attract a young man who was quite intelligent intelligent and and loved chemistry and loved the outside world of course uh, Jonathan Edwards was very much like that an intellect who loved God and served God so it makes sense that that Ronnie was you know attracted to Jonathan Edwards and that John Piper was a hero you see John Piper was so much a hero of Ronnie that John Piper wrote a book that had a great impact on Ronnie that book is called Risk is right. That book had a major impact on Ronnie Smith. Let me read some excerpts from the book, Risk is Right, and it'll help you understand the days we live in and the people that God is calling us to be. John Piper says this, a choice lies before you. Either waste your life or live it with risk. Either sit on the sidelines or get in the game. After all, life was no cakewalk for Jesus, and he didn't promise it would be any easier for his followers. We shouldn't be surprised by resistance and persecution, yet most of us play it safe. We pursue comfort, we spend ourselves to get more stuff, and we prefer to be entertained. Risk is right. This stirred something in Ronnie. There are a thousand ways to magnify Christ in life and death. None should be scorned. All are important. But none makes the worth of Christ shine more brightly than sacrificial love for other people in the name of Jesus. If Christ is so valuable that the hope of His immediate and eternal fellowship after death frees us from the self-serving fear of dying and enables us to lay down our lives for the good of others, such love magnifies the glory of Christ like nothing else in the world. In other words, taking the risk of loving others greater than ourselves is the most glorious thing we can experience in life and unto God. That message so motivated Ronnie that he was willing to leave Austin, Texas, his job there. He was on staff at Austin Stone Church and to take his wife of 10 years and his child and go to Libya. Libya. Because it was worth the risk to love those Libyan young people with the love of Jesus Christ. And there's no greater than this, that a man would lay down his life for another. That's the risk. The risk for all of us 
is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and being. Can I tell you, that's a risk. Because the risk we take by loving God more than ourselves, with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole being. Let's get this right, brothers and sisters. That is the first and highest sense of the law of God. When they asked Jesus to sum up the law, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and love your neighbor, what? As yourself. This is Christianity. And you and I could not do it and absolutely cannot do it. We cannot love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and body, and we cannot love our neighbor as ourselves without the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. And now that God had sent His Son to to die on the cross to separate sin from us so that His Spirit could dwell in us for the purpose of this, that we could now, by the power of the Spirit in us, now we can love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and body and our neighbor as ourselves. We would give ourselves. It's a risk to be a believer so that you will give up on your life and give it away for someone else. This is the Gospel. We've fallen much too short of the completion of the Gospel if we think it was just to save us from hell. If we think it was just to forgive us our sins then we've fallen much too short because the whole point of removing the sin was so that the sacred could be put in you. The holy could be put in you. The Spirit of God could be put in you so that you could fulfill the righteous requirements of the law in your body, Paul said. And by doing that, we live our lives for others, giving glory to God. This is the Gospel. And you have a calling right now in your season of life. You're called to somebody. Be it your children, be it your neighbor, be it your auntie, your grandpa, be it your classmates, be it your co It's somebody you're called to. And if you can't figure out who you're called to right now, Get on your knees and begin to pray so that you can begin fulfilling the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're called to someone. Now, you're called to someone and you have a unique gifting in that calling. Now, I don't know what that gifting is. It could be a spiritual gifting. It could be a talent. It it could be an ability. Whatever it is, find it out because it will be the vehicle by which All of this is motivated, and that is the love of Jesus Christ. It may be baking cookies. In all seriousness, it may be letter writing. It may be telephone calling. I think of our sister Claire, who right now physically can't get out and can't move, but she calls and calls and calls. Claire, I love you, and she calls. What a ministry. It does not stop her. And see, so folks, you may not have to go to Libya. And you may not have to go to Africa. You may not have to go to Venezuela. Or you may have to. The calling is what God's going to put on your heart and your burden. The gifting is going to be in whatever unique way it is. 
And the purpose is through Jesus Christ. And it is going to command and demand from you the risk of losing your life. And you might say, but I don't want to die. Well then, if you've taken Christ, you've already died. And so you're in conflict with the calling you already took. So work that out too. And God will have His way. And may I tell you, it is worth the risk, and risk is right. Now, what is moving in all of this is that Ronnie never met uh, Dr. John Piper, as, as, as far as I know. But Pastor Piper heard of Ronnie. And when he heard the news of what happened with Ronnie... Uh, he wrote this response, and I want to read it to you. John Piper says this, One of the reasons I want to respond is because Ronnie wrote to us at Desiring God Ministries last year and told us that one of my messages was significant in leading him and his family to Libya. Now Anita is a widow, and his son Hosea has lost his father. We must weep with those who weep. How do I feel about sharing in the cause of his going to his death? And so that weighs on the man who called people to risk their lives. And he responds this way, I came to tears this morning praying for Anita and Hosea. Weep with those who weep was not a command in that moment. It was a sorrow rolling over me. I remember being 33. That's how old I was when God called me to the pastorate. I was starting my ministry at the age Ronnie's ministry ended. And Jesus's. I can relate personally to this because we started this church when I was 33 and united with Ron and Rosie to do this work. After sorrow and sympathy, my response was and is this prayer. Lord, give Anita great faith. Help her to weep, but not as those who have no hope. Make that little fellow proud of his daddy. May he grow up thrilled to be in the bloodline of such a man. May they live on the glories of Romans 8, the groanings of this fallen world of waiting, and the rock-solid assurance that though we are being killed all day long, nevertheless, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Then I am sobered. Ronnie is not the first man who has died along what I have encouraged them to do. He won't be the last. If I thought death were the worst thing that could happen to a person, I would be overwhelmed with regret. But the whole point of Ronnie's life is that there is something worse than death. So he was willing to risk his own life to rescue others from something far worse. 
And he could risk his own life because he knew his own risking and dying would work for him an eternal weight of glory. And he knew God was able to meet every need of his wife and son. We are not playing games. When I preach that risk is right, I know what I'm doing. When I say God is most glorified in us, when we are most satisfied in Him, especially in suffering, I know what suffering may mean. When I say, fear not, you can only be killed, I take seriously the words of Jesus. Some of you they will put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. Finally, I call thousands of you to take Ronnie's place. They will not kill us fast enough. Let the replacements flood the world. We do not seek death. We seek the everlasting joy of the world, including our enemies. If they kill us while we love them, we are in good company. Jesus did not call us to ease or safety. He called us to love for the sake of His name everywhere among all peoples. Anita and Hosea, I love you. I am sorry, so sorry for your loss. I admire you and Ronnie profoundly. Hold fast to this. God has not destined you for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. And so... I want you to understand this. He's not the first to give His life. He won't be the last. But in fact, all who are called by the Lord are commanded to lose their lives. Now you may die in old age. I'm not talking that you have to be a martyr. What I'm saying is that you would lay your life down and be crucified daily for the Lord Jesus Christ so that you may live unto the glory of Christ. And that we would live to love others, even those who hate us. And I look at the fact of gifting, calling, and purpose, and I consider Revelation 12, 11. This is our testimony as the people of God. This is our verse by which we overcome the devil, the power of death, and our enemies. And it is this. We have conquered him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we love not our lives even unto death. That's what we're to do. Now here is the point. The gifting of your calling is that the word of your testimony. There's the gifting. You have a word of a testimony. And that testimony manifests in you different than the person next to you. So, one way of overcoming the devil is to use the gifting unique to you. You may not even have a voice, but you've got hands. You may not have hands, but you've got feet. You may not have feet, but you have a heart. Use it. Give it. It's your testimony. That's how you overcome the devil. Your testimony. Now, your calling is that you love not your life even unto death. That you will give your life to another. You will give your life to another. You will give your life to another. Find who it is. Who they are. 
And that may change season to season. And then last of all, your purpose is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we see a purpose. We overcome the devil by the blood of Christ. We see a calling that we love not our lives, even unto death. And we see a gifting, the word of our testimony. Let me share with you another story of where I saw this profoundly, and I was with Ronnie's dad, Ron Smith, when we were in China in 04. We had ministered to the underground church. These were students, Bible students. And we spent a week with them, eight to ten hours a day, pouring into them. I've never experienced revival like this in my life. As we poured out to them and ministered and prayed Worship together. The very presence of God came. More people came. This little room that we filled went from 30 people the next day to 60 the next till finally on the last day we had over 250 people there in a very small room. God moved. We baptized over 60 people there. When we were Having communion, it took up to two hours to get through communion service simply because we spent one hour after serving the bread worshiping God. Then we had an opportunity to serve the, the grape juice or the wine and spent another hour weeping and wailing and worshiping God. People were being healed. People were being delivered. We in fact had to leave because it was making too much commotion. Our next assignment was to another school in another part of China. But I didn't want to go. I was in a place that saw the glory of God moving and shaking like I had never seen before. But God told us, and it was time to go to our next student group. And so leaving revival and the power and presence of God, we came to this group. We came to a, a place that was secluded in China... in an area of the northeast, another school, underground school, to minister to these young students. They were just beginning in their studies, three years. Committed themselves to three years of living underground together and learning the Word of God. Leaving revival and coming into this setting and seeing these young people, I had an attitude. I thought, Lord... Why did you do this? I want to go back to that other place. What am I going to do here? What are we going to do here with these young people? They're scared. They were afraid to leave their homes, their families for three years to live together and, and to study the Word of God under great persecution and in fear. And, and I thought to myself, this is a drag. This, this isn't going to do much. And as I sat on that back leather couch in the back where Ron's standing now, seeing them and kidding around and joking, I thought, this, this is a drag. This is just a real letdown. Why am I here, God? And God spoke to my heart and he said, what you see before you, these people, he said, these young people 
will see a greater glory in me than you will ever see. He said, these young people will go places you will never go. I will use these people with a greater glory than you will have ever been used. And I began to weep. Oh God, how dare I? Who do I think I am? Sitting before me are the kings and priests of the Lord God Almighty. When I got up to the front of that room, I spoke over them what God spoke to me. You shall do greater things and be used in lands and places that I could never go with greater power and doing greater things that I could ever do. For the calling of the Lord is upon you. Each of these young people had dreams and had an understanding. They would sit with us and tell us what nation that they were going to go to and give their lives to. They had dreams of visions. Young people would tell us, I'm going to be giving my life in Iran. I'm going to be giving my life in Pakistan. They knew. God had told them where they were going to plant their, the seed of their life for the rest of their lives. Their calling was to particular nations and to particular people. They didn't even know uh, enough of the Word of the God, uh, Word of the Lord yet, but they had that calling. Their gifting, it would manifest as they went, but they knew the people they were to go, and it was all for the sake of Christ. I was forever transformed by this small and humble group of kids. And I began to recognize that I would never be able to do what they're doing and going to do. But God asked me in this season of their life to prepare them. Those people are all around us. Whether it's your children or the kids down the block or your neighbor whom God is going to use tremendously. It might be somebody that you touch. I remember the story of, of Billy Graham when he was a young man. He went to see a revival. He was not saved. And he came to figure out what's going on at this big meeting in this big old Baptist church. And when he got there, he came in and looked around. There were no seats for him. Him and his friend were going to walk out and an usher. Nobody knows his name. Nobody remembers who he was. But the usher said, boys, don't leave. Let me get you a chair. And that usher got that little man, that young man, Billy Graham, a chair to sit in that meeting. And that day, that young boy gave his heart to Jesus Christ. We all have a calling. You're all gifted. And our purpose is to live for Christ. It might be the little old lady, the old man. I don't know. But give up your life for them. Give up your life for them. And that's the testimony of the kingdom of God. That we would love the Lord God, our, our whole heart, mind, soul, and body. Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit there is much fruit in you if we will die to ourselves and live unto christ there is much fruit and many souls to be saved a seed of the kingdom of god has fallen 
in Benghazi, Libya. And I believe the kingdom of God is now going to grow in that city through these students that Ronnie touched. I am not glorifying Ronnie's death. I'm celebrating his life. It is the life of a believer. It's a life we are all to live. Risk is right. Use your gifting and your calling for the Lord. Use your gift uniquely. Find your calling. What is that calling? It's people. It's people. It's people. Your gifting may be something crazy, unusual, wonderful with God. It's always something crazy and out there. Whatever it is, but you're calling. You're not called to be a pastor. You're called to people. You're not called to be an evangelist. You're called to people. You're not called to to, uh, write books. You're people. You're writing books for people. Do you understand? Anything you're called to, uh, position or work, it's all about people groups. Find your people and give your life for your people in whatever season that is and for whatever length of time for one thing, for one purpose, to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we bow our heads before You this morning to love You forever. It is an honor for me, O God, to commission this congregation in their callings and giftings to bless them as they serve others. That You would anoint each one in their unique calling and unique gifting. Bless this people as their hearts expand and grow for others that we may honor You and take risks with our lives to the glory of God that another may be saved. Bless them now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.